Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. It's that time of year. We have released our BMO Global Metals and Mining year ahead with views on commodity macro, price changes and commodity and equity preferences. While 2023 is unlikely to be a stellar year for metals demand growth on a six-month view, we do expect a better China will help offset weakness in the developed world. In saying that, the the recent rally in many metals prices and bulk commodities has made positioning for this a little more challenging. We do expect the majority of commodities under our coverage to be lower than current spot levels on average in Q1, with a combination of the typical Lunar New Year demand weakness in China and some renewed macro concerns around the global industrial economy. With prevailing low inventory cover though, well, we still expect most commodities to trade at a premium to the cost curve. Indeed, the last three months have seen somewhat of a reversal in the downgrade momentum we've seen over recent quarters. This time, we've raised the majority of 12-month forward forecast estimates. Simple reason for this is that, with some more concrete Chinese property market support now emerging and wider developed world economic data remaining more resilient at the margin, demand expectations are no longer being lowered. However, we are still lowering supply expectations across the majority of commodities as initial 2023 company guidance comes in low. Thus, balances are incrementally tighter than might have been thought two months ago. Now, you do have to be cognizant of the macroeconomic risks prevalent in the 2023 outlook, which are plentiful in nature. Certainly, on balance, this would skew the risk profile around certainly our industrial base case to the downside. Given the potential demand impact, though, you could argue it could result in additional precious metals allocation. However, looking at these risks, by definition, none of them have a high enough probability to be considered base case. Also, we've already factored in a mild ex-China industrial recession with associated industrial metal demand also contracting. And thus, our base case does have an inherent degree of conservatism. Where have the largest upward revisions been? Nickel, metal, copper, zinc, all up about 10% for 2023 on our previous forecast. The big delta though, save that for molybdenum, up 33% on supply issues across Chile, Peru, China and the US. Given the recent gains, copper is back in focus and we've been asked for our latest views. So here goes. The recent price rally was definitely on China reopening, but it feels more macro driven than fundamental. The copper cathode import premium in China is down. The Shanghai futures curve has reverted to contango. Neither of those point to near term demand. So I'd say the price has run a little bit ahead of the fundamentals. I view China reopening as a distraction, if a clear boost to sentiment, but more important for the 2023 outlook for copper is the recent monetary support given to good Chinese property developers. You would expect to see a boost in completions data post-Lunar New Year. That's good for copper. And it has stopped the downtrend in Chinese demand growth expectations. Very important for the 2023 balance. We do model a mild ex-China industrial recession, as mentioned before, in the first half of next year. With that European copper demand, H1, down 10% year-on-year, US down 5%. Now, while demand is is certainly not stellar, supply expectations, as we discussed in the opening gambit of Metal Matters this week, they've been lowered markedly as well over the past couple of months. Initial 2023 guidance was below market expectations, and Cadelco, of course, has major issues. So 2023, which was meant to be a bad year for copper, 
is now essentially balanced. We're unlikely to replenish inventories over the course of the year, which means that risk premium to the cost curve will sustain. Q1, um, yeah, there will be inventory build. And that will scare a bit of macro positioning. Q2, higher prices if there's a sign of Chinese property improvement. One slightly nuanced view I have is that rather than a lack of mine supply, we're actually more likely to have a smelter constraint on copper next year. TCR says they're already rising, which tells you there's enough concentrate in the market at the moment. However, we've only got one smelter coming online in China in the next 12 months, and Cadelco has cut two smelters. Thus, we might have to see TCRC's surge higher to hurt mine economics and, or maybe or, concentrate stocks build. Having copper smelting capacity into 2023 is a good thing for once. Now, there remains a lot of belief in the long-term copper thesis and there's wider appreciation of the lack of capex spend recently and the, the fact that that will likely cause a medium-term issue. Of course, I no longer use incentive pricing for copper, but rather substitution pricing, which I see as three and a half times the aluminium price at any point in time. With this, longer-term copper exposure in any portfolio to play the global electrification trend remains vital. This is something I've mentioned before in Metal Matters, but it is a theme that continues to gain momentum. One of the lasting impacts of the supply chain segmentation we've seen this year will be a focus on traceability of materials, and it will create a unique opportunity to embed sustainability into metal sourcing practices, and we expect that to come to the forefront of consumer needs over the next decade. Two things have happened this week in this area. Canada, US, France, Germany, Australia, Japan, and the UK have launched the Sustainable Critical Minerals Alliance to encourage the responsible mining, processing and recycling of critical minerals. This has been coming, but it's been emphasised, interestingly, that this is not designed to exclude China from the global supply chains and where China to up its game with respect to environmental standards, that's a quotation, and labour standards, also a quotation, it would be welcome to join. The second one is that the LBMA in precious metals is facing legal action for continuing to certify the North Mara mine despite recent fatalities. We do expect consumers seeking best practice behaviour will increasingly specify responsibly sourced material, which meets embodied carbon and value chain integrity standards, and will pressure developed world exchanges to split contracts into a prime contract with certified material and a subprime contract for the material which doesn't qualify, whether through choice or through incapability. How might this develop? Well, there's an increasing likelihood that in metals analysis we move towards separate balances for China, Russia and developed world countries with other emerging markets as swing suppliers between the two. While this process takes place, it could increasingly limit the addressable supply available to both regions, which could lead to higher through-cycle pricing. And this is something that could be exacerbated by strategic buying with governments and or speculators competing with consumers for scarce commodity units. While it's not quite on the same level as the nuclear fusion breakthrough reported this week, whether to solve raw material constraints, boost operational efficiency, or importantly to drive decarbonisation, the global metals and mining industry has finally started to invest more significantly in technology. Some examples. Almost every major copper miner is funding new pilot processes to boost recoveries from low-grade material, and we do factor in some results from this in elastic supply later in the decade. Also, alternative iron making. Been around for years, but it's having a strong renaissance with not only the traditional Midrex and HYL plants, but also new alternatives using biomass getting some funding. 
This week, BHP has invested in IROX, a company which is developing technology to use high-voltage power pulses to crush rock as opposed to the traditional mechanical method. And for those of you attending the BMO Global Metals Mining and Critical Minerals Conference in February, this technology is something you'll hear a bit more about there, I think. And also, the portfolio of cattle chemistry options for electric vehicles continues to grow at a fast pace. The level of investment in small modular nuclear reactors has picked up significantly, which could reshape the uranium market by the end of the decade. And if there was one emerging area to watch, well, I'd highlight perovskite solar technology. It's starting to be commercialised and it has great potential to lower the cost of solar energy and provide an alternative to the current reliance on polysilicon from China. All of these have potential to alter future supply demand balances and emissions profiles, and we expect to hear even more such developments in 2023. This is the last Metal Matters for 2022. Thank you for listening to my ramblings all year, and I hope you have found them at least somewhat useful. I'd like to wish you and your nearest and dearest a healthy and happy holiday period. I hope you get some time to recharge ahead of what I hope will be a prosperous 2023 for you, both personally and professionally. That was Metal Matters, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Metal Matters on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers, or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more episodes, including our other podcast series, BMO Equity Research in Tune. If you have feedback or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please do share it with me at colin.hamilton at bmo.com. To access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com forward slash public hyphen disclosure.